This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, thanks for tuning in. We are back in 1 Thessalonians, continuing our series there. Uh, We're in chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 to get us started. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14, Paul says, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ, uh, in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Uh, so as we noted last time and in our overview, Christians in Thessalonica were just being hammered with persecution. Uh, and that began as soon as Paul got there, really, when he began preaching the gospel as in many places, you know, he was chased out of town uh, due to persecution. So it was intense, and it and it would continue. And he leaves, of course, and and it continued after his after his departure. And so, thus, the first three chapters of First Thessalonians are a commendation and, and have this kind of commending and encouraging tone. Uh, but but there's also a lot of assurance in in what Paul says here. And what Paul is desiring, he wants to assure them that really of three things, uh, the integrity of the apostles. So remember last time he mentions his desire to come to them. We, we touched on that, but he had just been hindered, right? It wasn't that he was ignoring them or that he had forgotten about them as the implication seems to be in his, that their concern was. Uh, but no, he, there's, he wanted to see them. He just couldn't. And so remember, he sends Timothy to check on him. Anyway, he wants to assure them of his integrity and the integrity also of the gospel um, and, their, and their own, their own integrity as they obeyed the gospel. Uh, that they weren't, the reason that they were suffering was not because they were doing something wrong or that, you know, this just wasn't real or they'd been duped. Uh, that that wasn't the case. Of course, they had some false teaching had been introduced, and that's what Paul wants to address later. Uh, but he begins by assuring them and commending them for the things that they've they've done right. Uh, so, if you look in verses five and six, back in chapter one, for example, he says, "We know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction." And you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy in the Holy Spirit. Right. So he's touching on all of these main themes uh, that we've discussed. Right. That he's calling, he's taking them back through their own history, really, and how they responded to the gospel, um, how Paul conducted himself while he was there, and the the conviction that they have. In, in the truth. And so they had stayed the course and, and he wants, and Paul wants them to keep it up, of course. And that's certainly the message for us as well. When, when faced with persecution, Christians have two paths set before them, two choices wherein we can one embrace persecution and knowing that the outcome will be greater trust in the Lord, greater love, uh, greater um, a fellowship with one another, a stronger character, you know, all, all these blessings that God promises <clears throat> can come through persecution. Um, 
And then there's the alternative, which is we just wither on the vine and and die. And that's the picture that Jesus gives us. Remember in the parable of the sower, when he talks about those who hear the word and they receive it with joy, but because they have no root in themselves, they endure for a while. But when persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. Uh, so I, I don't need to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. We can and should choose option one, right? We we want to be the kind of people that Paul would commend and assure and embrace persecution whenever it happens. Uh, and that is what the Thessalonians were doing by, by and large. And so Paul was thankful for their example and encouraged them to continue. Uh, and so look, look at how he did it. First, uh, first what he does is he assures them that despite their persecution, they are, he calls them brothers loved by God. Brothers loved by God. He says chosen by God uh, because of their response to the truth. So this wasn't something that was just, you know, they stumbled into, uh, you know, a, a privileged status that they just, you know, happened to get. No, they're loved by God, chosen by God, because when they heard the truth, they responded. They, res- they, re- they didn't treat it as just another philosophy of man, but Paul says you responded to what it really was, the word of God. <clears throat> and they repented, uh, verses 4 and 9 in chapter 1. They served the living and true God. And so Paul, he, he's reorienting Christians in the midst of suffering by, by calling to attention their their identity in in Christ, the fellowship that they have with God, the blessings that they have as a result of being in this covenant. And so our, you know, we think about our tendencies, human tendencies when faced with difficulty. What we tend to do is just fixate on the difficulty, right? We don't see beyond it when we're faced with with hardship. You know, we, we tend to just you know, kind of stewing our own juices, so to speak, and we get mired down in our own thoughts and feelings and, you know, the what ifs and so on and so forth. And so we tend to view hardship and pain in a negative, negative light. And that's not to say that the biblical perspective, you know, adopting the biblical perspective and, and responding the way that Paul says to means that we just pretend that hardships are easy or suddenly it's like they don't, affect us, um, you know, and intensely, and that's not the case at all. Uh, no, they're just, they're just as difficult, just as intense. But Paul is saying, scripture is saying that we can have joy in the midst of those circumstances because of the covenant that we're a part of. Right. So don't assume that joy can exist even in the midst of hardship. Uh, or worse, that the only alternative is is we just you know uh, again just kind of get bogged down. Maybe we start blaming God or think He's punishing us for something, and you know we go we go that route. But <clears throat> the Bible is reminding us that these things are temporary, and not only are they temporary, but what they really are is are, are opportunities uh, to grow stronger. Uh, and, and so Paul begins with that basic reminder. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. You're still beloved by God. You're still his his chosen. And in fact, your suffering in the form of persecution, it's part of the program. 
your persecution is part of your training. And so Paul points to his own suffering in verse 6. And then again in chapter 2 and verse 1, he points to the suffering of other Christians in Judea, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2. And so all of that to say that this, what they were enduring, their affliction uh, was not only you know, uh, going to happen, but it's by God's design to use it to make them better. Uh, and the same of, is true for us, of course. Uh, and so that's point number one. Uh, number two, he's assuring them uh, by rehearsing some history. So the way that he assures them, point number one, is that they were still, they were still God's chosen. They were still uh, God's beloved by God. Number two, he wants them to consider their history. And so, you know, this idea flows from the previous points regarding persecution. If you look at verses two and three. As he's going back to that time they were together, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So he just hits that head on, right? He's like, remember what what happened? All of, all those things when we were there. How Jason was drugged out of his house, and you know there were these mobs that were chasing you down, and he, you know he doesn't obviously name all that stuff specifically, but those events we read of in Acts chapter seventeen, that's what's. When he says much conflict, that's what he's referring to. And he says, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Uh, In other words, we didn't just show up with the gospel looking for easy money or glory, uh, but we were preaching Jesus Christ despite evil people trying to stop us, despite the much conflict that was there we had boldness to declare to you the, the, the gospel, so that re- recalling that should speak to the Thessalonians about the sincerity of Paul and also the integrity of the message itself, uh, and so we can find that same assurance as we look back over the pages uh, of of the Bible and we see God's faithfulness. And we see how he responds to faithful men and women suffering all sorts of evils at the hands of his enemies. Uh, we can we can take courage. We can find assurance in that also, and know that he has the same blessings in store for us. Uh, and so, over and over again, Paul um, uses the phrase. He'll say, "You know," or "God is witness," or "You remember how we did this," or "We did that," or "You know what kind of men we proved to be among you." So he's, he's appealing to the objective reality of what happened as proof. He genuinely loved these people, uh, but evidently some of the brethren uh, may have begun to question, uh, you, know, is he, you know, is he coming back? Why hasn't he come back? Doesn't he care about us? You know, was this just a ruse or well, you know, what's happening here? And so to dispel those doubts, Paul is referring to that, you know, that's why he's taking him back through all this history. Verses 7 and 8, he continues in chapter 2, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, being affectionately desirous of you. Uh, Verse 17, You had become very dear to us. Uh, We were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, but not in heart. And we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. And so, you know, this is the reality. He's setting the record straight that he was he was gone. He had to leave uh, because he was uh, the the main target 
of the, the wrath of these persecutors, his, his own countrymen. Uh, but he's making the point that he was absent not because he wanted to be, uh, he, because he, he had to be, but his heart was still with them. He still cared for them very much. And I think here is another lesson that this is what we need to do for our brethren who, for whatever reason, need reassuring of our intentions, right? He doesn't, he doesn't chastise them, chastise them and, and say, you know, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, that's ridiculous. Give me a break. But, you know, he's, he's just going, he's reminding them what they went through together. Um, and their, their sincerity, his sincerity, their love for one another, their love for truth, how they suffer together. Uh, and so we, we can, can and should do those same things. Um, and, and, and in doing that, I think we're reminded of the power of the gospel in our own lives. Uh, and, and that's exactly where Paul goes. He goes next. Um, he's reaff- as he reaffirms the gospel's integrity. Point number three, uh, that, that the reason that he suffered what he did, their suffering, is because the gospel is real. It's true. And they live their lives in, in the knowledge of that truth that Jesus suffered and died for our sins and that he will return again that he will return again to receive us to himself to judge the world and in time as we know it will come to an end and so he concludes chapter two in the same way as he did chapter one he's kind of coming coming back to the return of christ remember in chapter one in, in verse 10 he says as you wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And then you look at the end of chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you, for you are glory and joy? So you see the similarity. He, He doesn't want them to forget as he's discussing what they've been through, why they've been through it, and the point of it all. He doesn't want them to forget that this is the end, this is the end game. You know, and we shouldn't forget that either. The gospel has life-changing power uh, because it is it is the word of God, and the Thessalonians experience this. All Christians know this. Um, and we have to cling to it, not a not abandon it, even though it's life-changing power brings us into conflict with the rest of the world. We're not on the world's side anymore. And so, yeah, we're going to suffer persecution, uh, but our Lord is going to return, and either He will find us faithful or He will not. And we certainly know what side we want to be on. And so the knowledge of Christ and the blessings afforded in Him changes us as we as we mold our lives to His example and to His truth. Despite persecution, um, God will continue to work in us. We'll continue to work in his people and through his people, but only so long as we cling to him and his promises. And I think that is part of the exhortation for them and us that, you know, as certainly they needed encouragement and as commendable as their stance was and bearing up under persecution and, evangelizing the world they had they had a reputation for their their teaching and going out into the world and their efforts um they still needed to hear this this reminder as do we that jesus is coming back don't forget that 
And so cling to him and his promises. Continue to do what you're doing. As Paul will say later, later to this church, excel still more. Right. So that's that's really the lesson. Stay the course in anticipation of Jesus's return. Don't forget that reality. Judgment is coming, and so live in such a way that you're on the right side of that reckoning. Don't buckle to the world and its pressures and the enemies of God who will find all sorts of ways to persecute you. Let God use that to your advantage uh, and so that you can only go stronger until the day that he returns. Appreciate you tuning in and look forward to studying with you next time.